Hello, my name is Daniel Dollinger, and this is the Engineering Success Podcast, episode 15. Hello, everyone. I'm sorry I've been kind of sporadic with the podcast lately. I, I guess I owe a little bit of an explanation. I will admit that it's uh, we had one episode in October, and it's a little while into November, and this is the first episode, and I apologize, but... Uh, I've just had a lot of things going on in life. Uh, personally, I'm get gearing up for my wedding in June, so shout out to that. Uh, career-wise, I've had a couple different opportunities for growth, and I have some updates that I can't really talk about too far in depth on the podcast. But once I once I've have the good to go to kind of talk about those. I have some really cool developments in my career that are going on. And uh, on the side, I've, you know, the dogs are definitely a fun time. And, <laughs> and you know, with winter coming around, there's all these little little things that just keep on popping up around the house. And, and then you throw on top of that the fact that I, we, all my reports are due for Toastmasters, so... Um, a lot of little different things coming up, but uh, exciting things, exciting things. So, but if you're new to the podcast, this is the Engineering Success Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to help engineer a successful career. We go each episode, we either respond to career questions or we interview somebody who's achieved a milestone in their career, whether it be engineering or not engineering. And we go through the key steps on how they got there. Now, we don't have any interviews lined up for this week. But the other thing that I've been doing in the time that I've been kind of taking a break from from posting the podcast is I've, I have been doing some work in the background. I have three potential interviews lined up. Two of them uh, are through people who have found the podcast on Reddit. One of them is really close to coming together. The other one is uh, kind of in the infant stages, but uh, working on it. And then I have another one, uh, a commit from somebody, two, actually two commits from people that I know in my personal life, one in nursing, looking at you, Lauren, and uh, one as electrical engineer that works as a software engineer. Shout out to Val. So we have some cool episodes kind of around the corner, cool interviews. I... I'm very excited about the developments with the podcast. Uh, and to kind of go along with that, going into the new year, a couple of things I'll be doing is Anchor recently updated so that you can post video podcasts. So I'm going to try to get the backlog going. And my goal is that every single podcast episode will be posted as an audio podcast, but also posted as a video podcast. And then the full video podcast episodes will be posted on the Engineering Success YouTube channel, which has been kind of dormant lately. And then individual excerpts, five five to ten minute excerpts from the podcast will then also get posted on the YouTube channel. So a lot of work on my part, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get the backlog going during the holidays this year. I'm really going to try to dig into it. And then coming into the new year, we're going to have the full podcast, the video podcast, and all the excerpts going. We're going to have engineering success content out the wazoo. And 
Also, I'll be posting on Instagram, uh, engring.success on Instagram. Make sure to follow Engineering Success on Instagram. I'll be posting updates. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just going to be, uh, we're definitely going to level up the podcast going into 2022 because it's just, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So again, no interviews this week, but let's uh, do our shout outs and then we'll kick it to an ad break. And then we will go into the first segment of the podcast this weekend, should you, should you quit your job. But before that, uh, let's get a shout out to our every episode supporter. Yes, the one, the only, SABeanandCheese.net, San Antonio's premier bean and cheese taco review website. You heard it. What is San Antonio BeanandCheese.net? Well... What they do is they go to all the local taquerias in San Antonio and surrounding areas, and they rank them based on their bean and cheese taco. There's no better way to find out what a good taqueria restaurant is than by figuring out what they do with their bean and cheese tacos. So sabeanandcheese.net, thank you for supporting the podcast. All right, let's kick it out to an ad, and then we'll be right back. All right, you should have gotten an ad there. Otherwise, my content is not ad-worthy anymore. All right. The first segment for this week's podcast is This Week in Should You Quit Your Job? The first question is, was denied a promotion due to my vaccination status? I am vaccinated. Coworker is not. Coworker got the job because it's not client-facing. Is it time to look for a new job? They go on to say, made a throwaway for this because I am so effing mad. That's the one word I won't say on here. And I wish I was joking, but I'm not. My workplace has a policy where if you are client-facing in a position that involves going into areas with clear vaccine mandates in our state, we must be vaccinated. If we don't have a client-facing role, we do not need to be vaccinated. The role I was up for was not a client-facing role, but I was denied it. The direct reason both HR and my direct report gave me is that because I am fully vaccinated and my coworker is not. They wanted to give it to my coworker to retain him. They admitted the person doesn't have the qualifications for the role, but they wanted to retain him for some odd reason. They gave the position to him. This employee always gets a pass, coming in hours late, skipping important meetings, and also essentially telling the company to F off because he has plans during the workday and would not be coming in. Those plans turned into working remotely across the country for two months. I feel completely disgusted with my company right now, and this doesn't make me feel great. Regardless of anyone's opinions on vaccinations, I'm furious. I went through the process to apply, interview, etc., only to have it given to someone because they are not vaccinated, and I am, even though they aren't really qualified for the role. I put in so much time and effort into preparing, only to be set aside. Am I crazy to begin looking for another job? I feel disrespected throughout this whole process. My My job basically told me to get over this, and ethically, I don't know if I can. Edited to add, since it's come up a few times in the comments, my leadership, even at the executive level, has acknowledged and admitted that this colleague's two years of tenure at the company have been, in their words, a complete failure, which adds another layer of of WTF to their new promotion. I guess guess my first inclination would, would be to... To I guess try to understand the context that you are the employee that didn't get the job and 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 at least remotely consider the fact that maybe the person was more qualified than you and but obviously you feel that 
this person is not and you've provided justifications from your hiring manager and other people in the company that they may not be i think again you're trying to put myself in other people's shoes here i'm just trying to think what other good reason would they have i mean I guess the only other thing I could think of is maybe the company's super resource constrained. You know, job market's pretty competitive right now. And uh, even if he's not super successful, maybe keeping him and having him in this role is more cost effective than potentially having having to go out and find a new employee to fill the role. I'm, I'm guessing that there's some kind of justification here that, other than just that they're not vaccinated, maybe maybe it is literally just because they're they're not vaccinated. But there 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 might be other context to that justification that is re- the reason why they've done that. Because I mean, companies exist to make money and and to be you know provide a good product, and they wouldn't do it if they didn't think it was the best decision for the company as a whole. I think. Now, the segment is, should you quit your job? And I I don't know if I would necessarily quit. Obviously, I mean, don't quit without looking for another job. I think it would be reasonable to kind of give some feedback to your manager and and say, you know, hey, I I thought that I was more qualified. What the feedback that I'm getting is that I was more qualified and I was the better selection for this role. So it doesn't make sense to me that I was passed over for it. And I get that you want to retain the other employee, but I'm also valuable and I'm also an important employee. And if you want to retain me, then I should be given opportunities to grow and experience promotions as well. I don't, I mean, I'm wondering how big this company is. It sounds like it's a small company, but regardless, I I think that you should have this kind of candid conversation with your direct report and, and let them know how it made you feel. And if you want, if you want to start looking for other jobs on the side, if you if you really think that this, if you if this is the way that they promote people, and they're not giving you any indication that you're going to be able to be uh, evaluated fairly in the future, kind of like how you're feeling right now, whenever it comes to promotions, then it might not be a bad idea to start looking for opportunities with other companies where you have better opportunities for growth. But I, I would really have that conversation with your manager and. I was reading through the comments on Reddit and somebody said, well, the cost of you retaining that other person might be retaining me. And I don't know if I'd be that blunt, but I would emphasize that, that the feedback that you've gotten indicates that, that you were the right choice and and you don't really understand and, and, and ask, are there any other promotions around the corner that, that are maybe a better fit for me? I, I mean, I was personally recently in a situation where, I interviewed for a promotion and I wasn't the best fit for that role and other opportunities have since opened up that are better for me and and that that that's it's not the same situation because it's I really really actually wasn't the best fit um, for the role that I interviewed for uh, because I know who they went with and much better fit than me, uh, much better person for the role. But 
again, there's, there's, there might be greater context that, y- that you're not getting, but it sounds like you have been getting a lot of context. And it sounds like you do have kind of an open line of communication with leadership. So I would just encourage you to keep on using that and don't necessarily quit your job yet. But if the indication that you keep on getting is that they're not really going to be transparent about how they evaluate people from, for promotions and you don't have opportunities for good growth, it wouldn't be a bad idea to start looking for opportunities to grow elsewhere. So I wish you the best of luck. Next one, started job, then got better offer. Hello all, I took a job offer a while back and start Monday. After I took the job, an opportunity I really wanted popped up, so I applied. I received a verbal offer end of last week, so I did not quit my accepted position. I'm expecting a written offer this week, the first week of my new job. Can I leave after my first week? Any advice on leaving? Would it be bad if the second company found out I was leaving a new position to accept? So I don't know where you're based, but I know in the U.S., like, companies have like a 90, a lot, uh, it's a pretty common practice where companies have like a 90 day probationary period where they, where they, you know, that you're like a new employee before you get benefits or whatever. I I don't know exactly how it works. I I wasn't in that situation, but you know, there's this 90 day probationary period where companies evaluate people, I guess, I guess as a standard and then figure out whether or not they fit and keep them. And I mean, Whenever a company wants needs to make layoffs, then you're up for layoffs. If a company needs to uh, yeah, make cuts, then you're gonna you might be asked to make cuts. So, I mean, in the end, it's your career, it's your choice. And if if you if you wholeheartedly believe that there's other opportunities, a better opportunity, I would say go for it. There's no reason for you to work in a job whenever you have the opportunity to do a job that you would enjoy much more and and maybe even be compensated better and and all that. Uh, Whenever it comes to making the decision in this moment, in this vacuum, I I would say go for it. But but know that you're probably going to burn a bridge with this first company. You probably won't be able to work for them again. And if they're not in the same industry as this other company and the other company is in the industry that you want to work in, then maybe that's not as big of a deal, but I just kind of keep in mind that at that point you really haven't been there long enough to get people to like you and then leave and then want you back. I mean, you, you basically kind of spent a little bit of their recruiting money and their onboarding money and all that kind of stuff. So you're kind of a net loss for them. So just realize that. But yeah, I'd say go for it as as long as it's not going to affect your career by burning the bridge in the long run, as long as this other company isn't in the industry that you want to work in and and doing something that you'd really want to do in the future. So I say go for it. Quit your job. (laughs) All right. So that was the quit your job section. I am parched. So I'm going to break for water and we'll be right back. All right, and I'm back. Sorry about that. I just, I thought about trying to record the last, what, 30 minutes or so of the podcast while thirsty, but I don't know. I care too much about my comfort and I guess the sound quality that you get to hear. I care about that more than 
continuity. So there you go. All right, next one. All right, now we go into the fun questions. Here we go. Why did you choose engineering? Tell me something weird reasons. Me, I like to become Iron Man because that's why I chose engineering, electrical engineering, electrical electronics engineering. All right, that's a good one. I think that a lot of people sympathize with wanting to make the Iron Man suit. Um, why did I want to do engineering? I wanted to design golf clubs. I wanted to design and test golf clubs and then get free golf clubs and then play golf all the time. I don't know. I think that a lot of my initial career aspirations were were evolved around how much golf I could play while also on the job. Um, so yeah, for me, it, it was, I wanted to make golf clubs. So yeah. Next one gift for water engineer. All right. So I responded to this one on ask engineers. And then in the time since I responded to it, it got removed for violating the rules of the, cause it wasn't, um, substantive, but basically this person's significant other was going to become a water engineer and she was asking if uh, she should get him a tie or whatever and I thought that would, this would be fun to respond to so she was asking you know do people wear ties and she mentioned that he works out in the field so I, I work in an office so I don't wear a tie but kind of depends on the work culture and I, I know for sure for the most part the guys that work in the field for my company don't wear ties so I wouldn't recommend a tie but here are the things that either I've wanted or I, I have now that I really, really like and I think would be would have been great gifts for me when I first started and I think would be great gifts for other people. The first one is a leather Padfolio case. So I personally run through Padfolios like crazy because I'm constantly taking notes in meetings and I'm constantly, and I, I just had them organized. So uh, a really nice, slim, not super bulky, just really thin, case to protect my portfolio and, and, and make me feel kind of fancy while I'm walking around with it would be kind of cool. Um, or also, uh, what are the things that the lawyers have? I don't know. Uh, lawyer log book. Is that what it's called? It's called a lawyer's yeah, record book. So lawyers have like these like libraries of, of notebooks called record books, which I thought uh, there's a there's a lawyer in my company uh, that I work with that ha uses these record books. And I think it's so cool because all of his organ notes are super organized. It's basically like a, your own personal encyclopedia of all your handwritten notes, which I think is super cool. Uh, I, I don't know. That's kind of a niche gift, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if your 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 spouse is really into organizing their notes, then that might be something cool. Um, next one is mouse. So love love where I work and love the things that they give me. But the one thing that didn't come in the standard, I guess, equipment that I got as an employee was a, a fancy mouse. I got you know your your average Bluetooth mouse which is good for most people which is and I, and I didn't even ask for this i just ended up buying it for myself but the mouse i use is and if you're watching the video like 
three months from now when I finally post it, is a Logitech MX Master. This is the original version, but they're, I think they're on like number three or four now. And once you use one of these bad boys, you will never go back. They're about like, I don't know, 70 to 100 bucks, depending on which model you get. And honestly, you can get one of the older models and he'll be just fine. And it just kind of changes the way you work. It's big. It's, um, it has Bluetooth. You can connect to multiple different devices. So I have it on, I, I can take it back and forth between my work computer and my personal computer and even my phone. I can, uh, whenever I use my phone for that purpose, which is never, but, uh, Logitech MX master. And then they also make the MX anywhere mouses, which are good if he's out in the field a bunch, but, um, it's not as portable, but I still travel everywhere with the MX master personally. So I would recommend just an MX master. Um, if he's going to work in the field a bunch and he hasn't worked in the field before, a nice set of steel-toed boots um, would be a good gift. I'm using um a lot, and that's the that's the Toastmasters thing. I shouldn't be using um. I will. Uh, my challenge to you listening to the podcast is to count how many times I use um, and let me know how good of a job or how bad of a job I did. But no more ums for the rest of the podcast is my goal. So steel-toed boots, I would say. A nice pair of steel-toed boots, maybe a pair that looks like cowboy boots, or just an expense like a, like a good boots brand, not just some brand that you've never heard of at the bottom. That's the cheapest thing of steel-toed boots. Because if if he's working in the engine in the field, then he's gonna need good boots and boots that fit and feel comfortable. He's gonna be wearing them all the time, every single day. So a nice, nice set of boots that'll last him a long time is a good one. Another one is a. The other thing that I got was a nice professional looking bag to put my laptop and accessories in. So whenever I was picking up backpacks, it just so happened to be there around the same time that Target was doing their special release with Hunter. So I got a really nice Hunter backpack. It's like a, I don't know, it's like a rubber looking backpack, but it's like super, super sleek. And I like it because my company gives out a standard backpack to everybody. And it it's kind of like the same kind of backpack that I wore in high school and college and Super professional looking, but I didn't want to have the same one as everybody else. And I really like uh, the versatility of the bag that I have. It's a backpack, but it has like a laptop sleeve and, and it, it holds just amount the amount of stuff that I want to take in and out of work. So it's it's a good fit for me. And I'm really glad that I have my own unique bag. and I don't have to worry about getting mixed up with everybody else. So really nice backpack that he might have a favorite company like, like a Patagonia or like a North Face or... Or maybe he wants something this leather. Um, you kind of know his taste more than me, but a really nice backpack would be a really cool gift. Now, for the professional occasion, if he works in the office at all, uh, if he doesn't already have one of these, a nice fitted blue blazer would be a good gift. I think my standard go-to in the office, I want to look nice, is khakis, a button-down on a blue blazer. So if he doesn't already have a really nice blue blazer, get him a nice blue blazer. And then... Another one, this is kind of niche, but a nice refillable pen. He's going to be writing a lot, and maybe his company will give him refills, but I don't know. Having like the same boring pens, I don't know. I I have developed my preference. I really like a nice ballpoint pen that writes really nicely. So there's a specific type of pen I like, and I get them every single time I visit a local hotel in San Antonio from my room. <laughs> uh, shout out Hotel Emma. Their pens are the best, but... I don't know. Everybody has their preference, and if he has a preference, then maybe a nice pen that's refillable that that writes to the way that he prefers, because he's probably going to be writing a lot. And I personally like having one really nice little pen. 
and maybe he will too. And then lastly, will he carry business cards? Maybe a nice leather case for his business cards, but I don't know. Most people don't carry business cards now. I carry mine and every once in a while I exchange them, but then I don't, when I get them from somebody half the time, I don't really do anything with them. Uh, networking people out there, you can get onto me for that, but yeah, I mean, but maybe he's the kind of guy that carries business cards, but yeah, those are the those are the things that I would think would be good gifts for engineers. If you're listening to the podcast and you think I missed something that would be a great gift for an engineer, there's a feature on Anchor where you can actually write into me or also maybe interact with me on my – I'll post a poll on my Instagram story. And why don't you write into the – fill into the poll what a good gift for an engineer is, and then I will read out the best ones at the beginning of the next podcast – whoa audience engagement on the podcast shout out and if you're watching this on youtube in the future then you can engage in the comment section below so but that'll probably be three months from now at the pace that i'm at or i've been saying three months from now for like the longest time so maybe like eight months from now (laughs) all right next one is a meme that i'm reacting to from our engineering students and what they did is they this is a video by shiv vzg shiv vzg on youtube has two million views and he roasts every college major in 60 seconds and his roast for engineering is you'll end up with a good job at the expense of your mental health sleep and happiness i will say generally i have decent mental health and i get enough sleep to function and i generally have a decent time on the weekends and I don't know. I, my job makes me feel fulfilled generally, so I'm generally pretty happy. So I, I don't know. S- some people may some people may disagree with me, but I, I don't completely align up with that. But there are moments where I'm like, oh gosh. But you know what? I'll tell you this. I think engineers complain a lot. I, I'm I'm gonna say it. Engineers complain about uh, like I know engineers like to say that they have the hardest major, and yeah, it might be in my opinion, it probably is, but. We don't need to, I don't know, engineers like to say that kind of stuff a lot because like, they want everybody to know how hard it is. And all I have to say is if I had to do a stand-up sketch, the first thing I'd do is I'd make fun of engineers for that because, I don't know, we're so vocal about how much we complain about that kind of thing. So, but, I don't know, me generally, I, I think I'm doing all right and engineering's worked out well for me, but I sympathize. I have those moments with other people that uh, believe that it, will be a good job at the expense of your health, sleep, and happiness. But I'm pretty fortunate to be in a good position myself. So, All right, next question. Would you pick salary or experience? They go on to say, hello, everyone. I'm looking for some advice as I have a possible career change coming up. I've been working in a lucrative industry for almost four years now. Can't say due to my coworkers being in this sub. It pays a six-figure salary, but I spend a lot of time away from home and the hours are quite long. It's also an industry I don't see my career progressing in. A new opportunity has come up in an industry I would like to work in. However, the salary is half of what I make now. Is it better to set myself up financially or take the pay cut for career progression? Sorry, I'm breaking for water. Well, well, I don't know. Whenever I first first read this i was like i mean why would you take a pay cut but then i thought about like what what 
what could you possibly be doing? And I have an inclination of where to, you know, you're, you're likely in the field doing some kind of construction or oil and gas or something like that, maybe even like offshore drilling or something like that. And if you like the industry, I mean, you're right. There are limited opportunities to kind of go get more work-life balance, but there are, I mean, you know, every single one of those companies does have a headquarters, a home office, and there are opportunities in those companies' headquarters where having your experience, having worked out in the field would give you more context than anybody who hasn't worked out in the field and would make you a really good home office employee and kind of a support group. So I wouldn't completely throw that discount that idea away so again you might have some tangible experience from your current role they could set you up for a growth opportunity within your own company and likely i mean within your own company you might lose some of the additional compensation like tla or per diem that you get from working away from home but your base salary i imagine wouldn't be as significant of a drop relative to what you're currently making. So I would, I would, I would encourage you to at least uh, consider that. And then once you've considered that, then consider what that is like relative to the opportunity coming up in the industry you'd like to work in. I think that it's, I think that it's more linear. It's not as binary as your current role. And then this new role where you make half of what you make now. I think that if you're able to kind of Translate it to what what it would be like in your current industry and then kind of evaluate those opportunities and kind of what the base would be and kind of what your enjoyment would be and what your growth opportunities would be from that point. I think that that would help you make your evaluation, but I wouldn't just immediately throw it all away and and go for half the salary. But then again, if, if the compensation is in line with what you think you should be compensated with your relative level of experience, so minimal in that industry, in that role, and and you want, you want to grow in that way, then, then you can always chalk up what you've done to this point as learning experience. And maybe, hopefully, you've taken advantage of the financial compensation to set yourself up on a good financial base. And if you can live and grow and, and on that new role, then, then go for it. But I, I would just, I would, I would caution you to say that it's not completely binary. And I'd encourage you to kind of build the context with what your progression would be to better work-life balance in your same industry, if that's possible, and, and see what things you can transfer from your current experience. And I know you say, um, you don't see your industry, your career progressing in it, but if there's any things that you've learned, if there's any other industries you can apply them to, then also kind of exploring those areas as well to kind of see where you stand out. But yeah, I, salary or experience, most instances, I would I would say I wouldn't sacrifice salary for experience. I'd try to get my best of both worlds. But if you're not able to get that, then uh, I hope that those points will help you kind of evaluate things better. That's the way I would approach it is, is trying to equalize things as much as possible before making the decision. And, and yeah, I wish you the best of luck. All right. Next question. They go career advice, a little background. I graduated with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering last August and was unemployed for a year. 
I finally got a job in a manufacturing company in August. I like the company, but I'm not enjoying manufacturing. I feel like I'm not good at my job and I get dumped on a lot. Also, the fact that the products have to go out monthly and in between the projects for cost improvements and assembling or getting tooling ready for the next job just burns me out. I'm in Southern California and would like to stay local. Any input would be greatly appreciated. Well, you know, first off, congrats to you. You've realized that you don't like manufacturing. And if there's no other kind of groups within the company that that you like, then you've done it for a year. And oh no, 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 you've done it since August. So it's been four months, but you realize that you're you didn't like it. And I wouldn't waste any more time than I have to working in an industry doing a job that I don't like and getting skills and, and growing in a way that I don't like. What I would do is is you know evaluate what you can get out of the position and and, and make the best of it and, and and try to grow as a professional and as an engineer within that role but then go ahead and start looking for another opportunity and when it comes up that you have only been there for a while you're like yeah and, and, and you know what i i learned that it wasn't for me it's not the industry i want to work in but i'm really interested in working in xyz industry the name of the company's industry that you're interviewing with uh, but yeah, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't really chalk it up to oh I need X Y Z months of experience. I'd just say, you know what, I learned, and now it's time to start applying for new opportunities and move on. You'll find that as somebody who has now worked and has work experience under your belt, you're instantly more attractive to recruiters, and you'll you'll find that you're not just dealing with college recruiters, but you'll find that you're dealing with full time employee recruiters and. Um, instead of just college hire recruiters. So I think you'll find it a little bit easier to find your next job than it took you the year. And also, I mean, that year was the middle of a global pandemic. So give yourself a break here. I think that you are definitely valuable and you'll you'll be make a good employee in the industry that you like. So I wish you the best of luck. Next one. How many of you are actually passionate about engineering? Good question. Am I passionate about engineering? I'd say I'm fairly passionate about engineering. I like what I like solving problems. I like having an impact in the society that I live in and you know engineers build everything and and are the reason why we're able to have the lifestyle that we have. So to that extent, I'd say I'm really passionate about engineering. But what are my what are my strongest passions? You know, my passions are for the people that I love, um, for my hobby, um, for this podcast. Those are the things I get the most joy out of. And I get a joy out of my career. But is it the thing that brings me the most joy in the world? And is it the thing I'm the most passionate about in the entire world? Probably not. Um, you, I, I forgot the second half of the question. The second question is half of the question is how many of you are actually passionate about engineering? Like you always wanted to be one, or started wanting to be one from high school or college. I mean, I, I knew I wanted to be an engineer from kindergarten. Like other kids were saying, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a police officer. And I was like, No, I want to be an engineer. And I've known that since I was five. 
and I've always worked towards that. But I don't know. Passionate about engin- engineering is is an interesting way to describe it. I'd say I'm I care about it enough that I really enjoy my career, and I'm I know that I'm doing the right thing for me and for my growth and for my ability to contribute to society and and earn a living and but beyond that i mean i don't know i I like solving problems but maybe not in the way that you think that the stereotypical way that engineers solve problems is i there's there's other things i'm more interested in and that are also relative to my career and engineering uh, but maybe not in the traditional way and I'll, i'll as I have the opportunity to talk more about the opportunities that I'm pursuing in my career, I will tell you about them. But yeah, I, some people are are so dispassionate about engineering that they're just in it for the money, and I wouldn't say I'm at that point. <laughs> I'd say that there's a spectrum between people that do that and people that live, breathe, die, everything engineering. And uh, I think a lot of us just kind of fall somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. So, yeah. Next question. I'm going to drink water real quick. Um, Question asker says, job posting didn't match interview. They said, so I just had an interview for a job titled engineering technician one packaging. The job description I applied for sounded like it would entail cost evaluation, improving production via lean and Six Sigma methods, quality and capability alternatives analysis, and more. But during the interview, I found out the job position seemed more like a maintenance job with troubleshooting broken down machines. Is this common or could there be some misunderstanding or miscommunication here? I would say that that's um, pretty common, to be honest. you know, whenever a company wants to hire for a role, uh, especially with big companies, and when I see engineering technician one packaging, I think big company. The big companies, they have certain job classifications and pay codes for different jobs. And whenever somebody wants to hire somebody for a job, they have to find the closest job code that they can. And then put out the posting and sometimes that job description that goes in the posting it comes through hr and it's the job description they've had for that job ever since that pay code has existed and every single time they post that job with that title that job description goes out with smaller companies there's a little more variability but again i'm I'm, I'm presuming that this is a big company and and then you get into the interview and then you find out that that's not exactly what the hiring manager not hr the hiring manager was looking for and you're talking to the hiring manager in the interview and you find out exactly what they want and it's not exactly the same. Sometimes that happens. And what I would say is I would kind of tend to go with the description of the job that the hiring manager has given you, the thing that you've actually found out in the interview. And wouldn't hurt to follow up and say, hey, I appreciate the interview, but this is not exactly what I was looking for. I'm kind of looking for a role that's more in line with the job that I applied for, the description, um, the Lean Six Sigma and that kind of stuff. Is that going to be a part of this job? If not, again, I really appreciate the time, but this is not the best fit for me. Are there any other roles that you have that would, would be a better fit for me and more in line with what 
the the job description and the posting was and I know it's really hard especially it sounds like you're college and you're going in for entry-level jobs and it's, it's really hard to interview for jobs and you don't know if you're gonna ever get one and, and you're like taking everything you can get but sometimes it's, it's just better to, to vocalize whenever a job is not a fit for you because it would be much worse if you started in the job and then you kind of got stuck in it or you hated it or you missed other opportunities that were better for you because you just didn't vocalize that this one wasn't a fit. So I would trust what what you heard in the interview and 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 be transparent that that's not kind of not exactly what you're looking for, and ask about if they have any opportunities related to what you're looking for. So best of luck in finding your job. Next question: Should I drop out of engineering? Dun dun dun. Dramatic pause for me to drink water again. Man, I'm parched. All right. Here's the question. Hello. I am a current senior engineering student at a well-known engineering school and am seriously considering dropping out. I have 24 credits remaining, but have a few reasons of considering dropping. So for those in the U.S., 24 credits, credit hours, that's about two semesters, two 12-hour two, two load semesters. So two, 12, two semesters of engineering. And here's the justifications for dropping. One, I am not good at my major. My GPA is currently a 2-4, and the chances of me getting a job after graduation in the field is quite low. Math was always my weakest subject in high school, and I simply chased the degree for money, not for the passionate drive many of my classmates seem to have. Two, I did not enjoy my major. I have no intention of utilizing my degree to any capacity upon completing the program. It has soured my life for several years, and I can't wait to move on to something else. It seems like a waste of my time that I could be using to develop skills in a career that I would much rather have. Oh, sorry. Three, I do not have the funds to continue education. I'm spending thousands of dollars in tuition a year, and I'm already considerably in debt. I see, I see no reason to deepen the hole by tens of thousands of dollars for something I will not use. Four, I recently got a job in a field that I love. It is not high paying, but I have been a musician all my life and got a job scoring music for several projects. It is enough to live on. I understand that I am very close to completing my degree, so what would you recommend in this situation? It really seems like a waste of time to me at the moment, but I'm open to everyone's opinion. All right, so I'm going to respond to each of your points, and then I'm going to kind of give my overall advice. You're not good at your major. Your GPA is 2.4. I don't think that's enough enough of a reason to drop because that you, you'll find, as you talk to people with engineering degrees that are working in the field, that there's people all across the spectrum of GPAs, and a, just having a low GPA doesn't mean that you're not going to be a good engineer and or that you didn't learn anything uh, in college in your engineering program. Because remember, engineers are learning how to solve problems. They're learning how to you know design things and uh, you know solve the problems in our world. So I wouldn't I wouldn't knock yourself for that. Math was always my weakest subject in high school, and I simply chased the degree for the money, not for the passionate drive many of my classmates seem to have. Having an engineering degree, regardless of whether or not you're doing something that you would consider technically engineering or your standard engineering, uh, will pay out for money. It will. 
uh, especially relative to your point number four, the job that is enough to live on. You did mention that you are considerably in debt and enough to live on. Is that enough to live on and pay back the student loans that you owe? Uh, you made an investment here to this point, and, you know, in my opinion, it's worth finishing it out to to kind of reap on that investment. Two, I do not enjoy my major. I have no intention of utilizing my degree to any capacity upon completing the program. It has soured my life for several years. Again, I think that people have a you know very linear conceptions of what engineers do and you know any company that needs somebody to help solve problems and like maybe it is a music company that that needs somebody to run as a, a run a project like maybe live nation uh has you know their concerts they're putting up and they need people to run the events the project manage the events somebody with an engineering degree would be a good fit for that kind of thing that also has, you know, the contextual knowledge of of music and how music events work. I, I'm just saying that your engineering degree will make you look really good and will tell people and help people know that you 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 can get stuff done. And regardless of whether or not you liked thermo fluid dynamics or if you got mechanical engineering or if you if you really liked uh, doing logic diagrams, if you're an electrical engineer or if you really liked measuring, I don't know, I don't know much about civil engineering, but if you liked, I don't know, measuring out concrete, if you, if you, if you hated all those things, um, it doesn't mean that you can't be recognized as an engineer working in a field that you, that you like. I mean, I haven't done an inch of engineering design since I graduated from school personally, and I am in a position where I'm valued as an engineer. And I think that I think that there are going to be opportunities for you that might be in things that you're more interested in, even if it's the subject matter is not like for me. I'm not designing golf clubs, and that's not the thing I'm most interested in. But the subject matter that I work in is is interesting, and and the work that I do is interesting, and I and I grow, and I think it's really I think it's cool. So I mean, I wouldn't say that your hobbies and your passions have to be your your career. Um, have, have to be the industry you work in, but I think there's other ways to, to find fulfillment in what you do uh, and that you can do with your engineering degree that's not um, just engineering design. And the last one, you don't have the funds to continue education. And I think that that's a very valid point. And I guess my question to you would be is is there a way that you can either you know take a break and, and just not give up on it forever or, or I wouldn't recommend taking a break break unless you have a definite end to the break but maybe consider going part-time as a student uh, you know maybe taking one or two classes a semester or one at one class a semester and I, I just you've made a substantial investment into a great degree and you've made it three years into it I mean you are so far along, you're past the point where most people drop. You, in my opinion, definitely have what it takes to finish the engineering program. And it'll open so many more doors for you than maybe you even can recognize right now. Then for your earning potential, for your career potential, just having a degree in general, but especially having an engineering degree will put you in a magnanimously better position than if you didn't have a degree at all. So maybe take this job and then 
work full time and then take one extra class and then, you know, 24 divided by three is eight divide that by two. And over the next four years, you've been able to work and have enough to live on. And well, actually you can maybe take a summer class as well. So 24 divided by three is yeah. Whoa. I messed up my math somewhere, but 24 divided by three, you know, three semesters a year is eight. 24 credit hour. Oh, I divided by credit hours. 24 credit hours divided by three hours per class on average is eight classes. Take one, three a year, and you've completed it in less than the next three years. So you, and then you have your degree and you've been working and, you, and you've not, you've avoided accumulating more debt. That's kind of my thing. So maybe you can be a part-time student and do that that's what i would recommend doing and then you know work work and do the thing that you're interested in and maybe that'll also help you get an idea of about other things you can do once you get your engineering degree once you have your college degree that are related to the thing that you enjoy so that was kind of all over the place partially because i'm my throat is so dry i'm so thirsty but also partially because there's a lot there but yeah i, I would just look i would encourage you i hope that my justifications although all over the place were good justifications for you to continue engineering. And then I encourage you to try to cash flow the rest of your education as a part-time student at a minimum and, and finish it out because it will open doors for you. So I wish you the best of luck. I hope that you take that advice, but then again, it's your life and it's your, your joy and your happiness. So in the end, it's your choice. And I know that you'll make the best choice for you. Next one, pros and cons. Can someone tell me the pros and cons of being an electrical engineer and doing an electrician as a trade? So electrical engineer versus electrician. I'm trying to decide if I should go to college or just try and get into the trade. Great question. So I'm going to go with the pros for being an electrician. I would say that if you really enjoy doing hands-on things, then you're going to have a little more opportunities to do hands-on things as an electrician. Uh, an electrician, you can finish the program to become an electrician, entry-level worker, a lot quicker than you, it would take you to complete an engineering degree, and it would cost you a lot less. So up front, uh, the financial and time investments uh, before you have to start working are a lot lower. Also, if you're in high school, some high schools have trade school programs where you can already get into an electrician and kind of get a little further along that way for free even. Um, so... Yeah, and also if you work for some construction companies and you work as an electrical helper, then they'll pay for you to go to trade school to get your electric electrician certification. Um, so again, a lot of opportunities there for you to um, start your career with a lower investment money-wise and, and time-wise on your part. But what are the pros of becoming an electrical engineer? Well... Yes, it's a, it's a larger investment of your time and money at the beginning. And it's, I would say that it's, it's um, academically significantly more difficult to become an electrical engineer than to become an electrician. Not to say that electricians, especially master electricians that are experienced, don't know a lot. They do. They learn a lot. And they, they learn to work with their hands. And they, they learn a lot about how electrical systems work. And they're very valuable. But uh, 
an electrical engineer, an electrical engineering program will be very rigorous. It'll be very difficult, and not everybody makes it through it. But um, somebody that's already thinking ahead like you sounds like a great fit for it. But say you you do complete the electrical engineering program, um, your earning potential is going to be a, a little bit higher in my opinion. Now, you can be a, become an electrician, you can work out in the field, and you can work some um, crazy hours, and you can work out in crazy locations and get paid cost of living and per diem and a lot of stuff, and you can make a ton of money as an electrician. But uh, as an engineer, you have opportunities to really have a lot of career progression as well, electrical engineer. And if, for say, for example, you're working in those same industries, you might have a little bit more opportunities to ha- you know have a little bit more stable home life working from home but i don't know there's also electricians i'm thinking construction here but there's also electricians in every city and town you work in so um there's definitely opportunities to do that as well so but your earning potential won't be as high as if you were working in remote areas um on construction projects but um i'm all over the place today i'm sorry guys um the other thing about being an electrical engineer is you can um, you can work a little bit. There's my um, you can work a little bit longer. You know, electricians are working with their hands, uh, super applied, and and you can only work for as long as you physically can. Whereas as an electrical engineer, you could work for longer. But who really wants to work past the <laughs> the age where you can't use your hands anymore? I mean, goodness, I, I'd like to be retired by then. So maybe maybe it doesn't matter, but. The other thing is, is that electrical engineers can do a lot of other different things that maybe electrical en- electricians can't. You know, electricians can do the things that electricians do working on, you know, doing the electricity for a house or building or structure or plane or whatever. And then electrical engineers can, they, they, they design those systems, they understand those systems to maybe a little more theoretical and higher level and then they also can do a lot of other things that engineers can do. You know, one thing that I've talked a lot about on this podcast is the flexibility that an engineering degree gives you. So um, just think back at all those things that we've talked about so far that engineers can do. An electrical engineer can do a lot of those things. And again, that's the difference between a college degree in general and a technical program. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of all over the place, but just things to think about when you're evaluating the two. If you're if you're very academically inclined, then I would recommend kind of going the electrical engineering route. And if you're not interested in pursuing a college degree at all whatsoever, then that kind of makes it easier to choose the electrician route. But yeah, that's super high level, uh, kind of all over the place response. I swear I'm not phoning it in today. I promise. All right. Two more questions, and then I'll close out. I'm uh, distracting myself by how thirsty I am. This one is, college freshman looking for an internship. I'm a freshman aerospace engineering major at U of SC. I'm guessing that's University of South Carolina. I am trying to get involved as much as I can with anything I can't get my hands on. So I've started to think about maybe getting an internship. Sweet. Good for you. So that gives me a few questions some of you may be able to answer. One, what is the likelihood that I could get some sort of internship at some sort of engineering company in Charlotte? Two, doesn't necessarily need to be aerospace, but that would be awesome. Two, 
What kind of task would I be doing in an internship since I have very little experience aside from high school engineering classes? By the time summer comes around, I will have taken Calc 1, Calc 2 Physics, Intro to Aerospace, Intro to CAD. I believe it's Creo. That's what I took. But I'm also somewhat experienced with Inventor. Three, would an internship for someone like me be paid minimum wage? My most important goals are to learn and build a resume, but I do need money since I am a broke college student. Can Could relate with that. Four, what are some other ways I can build my resume if this doesn't work out? Part-time job at an airport, anything relate. Thanks for the help and would love to hear what people have to say. So first question, likelihood that you get some sort of internship at some sort of engineering company. It really depends on whether or not you have, in my opinion, if you have any personal connections to the industry. So were you any, any, in, in any programs in high school that where you did drafting or anything like that, that there were different companies that your high school had a program with that you can maybe be able to reach out to? I don't know if you're uh, any kind of the social circles that you're in or your family members are in, anybody that would hire an, you know, a CAD intern to help out with CAD for something like that or, or just an engineering intern. It's really hard. Like you, you have a realistic understanding that it's really hard to get an internship whenever you're, you've only finished your freshman year because you really haven't done that much engineering coursework yet. Um, so it, it really kind of depends on what kind of networking you can do on your own. I, I wouldn't waste much any time at all, really, at applying for any of the online portals for big companies. I would just invest time in local connections that you have because you're going to get immediately filtered out. And this is not anything against you, but you're going to get immediately filtered out from all of the bigger competitive internship programs. So what kind of task would you be doing? It, it really kind of depends on the particular internship. Um, I worked in a motor control shop and I did a bunch of stuff with my hands and I did some stuff in CAD, all these different little projects. And then I worked for, did an internship with my current employer and it was something completely different. And you know, some of the stuff is more theoretical, like it was in my second internship, and some of it's really hands-on. It kind of just really depends on the structure of the internship and, and what kind of role you end up in. Uh, would it be paid minimum wage? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. If it's a legitimate internship with a legit company, then it definitely won't be paid minimum wage. And if it's even if it's working for like a smaller company, uh, most of those companies unless they're like really small or they don't have any program at all. Um, no, I, I would, I would say even as at your level, you're worth, you know, I don't know, 15, $20, like whatever. I mean, <laughs> the local grocery stores where I live are paying more than minimum wage. So you're at least worth that. Um, so I'd say the 15, 20 bucks an hour range is kind of what I was targeting whenever I was finishing my freshman year, but I don't know. We've had a lot of inflation since then anyways. So, I don't know. And then last question, what are some other ways you can build your resume if it doesn't work out? I think that you're, you said part-time airport job. That's kind of the right direction. I would, I would look and say, are there any local aerospace companies around? And maybe they have a maintenance tech or, or something like position that where you don't need any job experience or work experience to, to go work there. Or, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, you're not tied to mechanic. You know, tied to aerospace engineering internships and i think that that's a good mindset to have you know any kind of internships experience having any kind of internship experience or working experience where you're working around engineers under your belt and you can kind of talk about what you learn from working with and talking and interacting with engineers in the professional setting and other interviews will set you up well for whenever you're really trying to get that aerospace engineering 
internship the summer after your sophomore year and the summer after your junior year and then you're applying for jobs so um yeah look at look at any kind of job where you can kind of interface with engineers also look into like local contractors that maybe have a machine shop or um a part shop or where you can kind of work in the back and you're kind of working you're physically building things that maybe the engineers are designing in the space you know uh, anything where you're kind of Again, think about what you're doing in Creo. You're building parts and stuff like that digitally. Well, anything where you can kind of physically apply the things that you're learning in your engineering classes or you will learn in your engineering classes will make you a better engineer. And on on top of that, just having the work experience in general makes you more attractive to potential future internship employers. So that's um, I think you're, you're thinking all the right things. You're kind of much more advanced than I was at that stage. So... Kudos to you. You're you're ahead of the game, and and you're thinking about the right things here. So, I wish you the best of luck in in landing an internship or hopefully getting some kind of applied work experience. You know, anything you can you can where you're somewhat technical. You know, anything beyond you know working the local summer job at the water park or or working in retail or working as a server. Anything you can do that's just a little bit closer to engineering will set you up and put you a little bit ahead of other people that um, also won't be having internships because they just finished their freshman year of engineering. So yeah, wish you the best of luck. And last question. Goodness. Aerospace engineering or ABEC accredited mechanical engineering degree. Hi, I am an Asian STEM student that will be going to college next year. Shout out to you. I've recently heard that having your program be ABET accredited is important to landing reputable international jobs. I intend to work outside my country and I'm stuck choosing between these courses as I've always been interested in working for the field of aerospace, but no aerospace engineering course is ABET accredited in my country, only mechanical and other fields. Yeah, so I would say that I'm not... I don't know, maybe I'm outside of my realm here, but, you know, a lot of U.S.-based companies, they look look at ABET accreditation. But, I mean, whatever the, the route to becoming a professional engineer or registered engineer in your country is, whatever that whatever that route is, at least at a minimum, look at the requirements for that. And, and, and make sure the engineering program that you pro- program that you attend is at least in line with that, because that'll give a little bit more legitimacy to your degree, degree domestically. And then, if you want to work in the U.S. as an engineer, then yeah, you, you should you should go to an ABET accredited program or a program that has reciprocity or is on the same standard as ABET. And I'm not familiar with that, but yeah, you should at least value that. I will say that if you want to work in aerospace, you don't have to have an aerospace engineering degree to work in aerospace. Aerospace companies, my dad worked for Lockheed Martin. Shout out to the second episode of the Engineering Success Podcast. His degree was electrical engineering. There's other people that worked for Lockheed Martin that designed, that worked had mechanical engineering degrees, industrial engineering degrees. Just just because you want to work in the aerospace engineering degree, aerospace engineering industry does not mean that you have to have an aerospace engineering degree. So... I would say that the mechanical engineering degree definitely opens up a little more options with the combination that it is applicable in any field, including aerospace engineering and also that the ABIT accreditation. So I personally would choose the mechanical engineering degree, but if the other boxes check and and you and the 
aerospace program is domestically reputable and interchangeably reputable with whatever countries you want to work in in the future, then go for it. But I would personally recommend the mechanical engineering degree. All right, so I'm having trouble talking, so I'm going to close out the episode. Sorry that I kept you waiting for a month and then came out with this stinker of an episode, but I'll um, I'll pick it up uh, moving forward. But I really appreciate you guys uh, tuning into this episode of the Engineering Success Podcast. If you like the episodes, if you like the podcast, rate it five stars on the Apple Podcasts, share it with your friends potentially be a guest if you want to write in your own questions write into engring.success at gmail.com and yep we got some exciting interviews ahead of us so i'm looking forward to that i will do my best to try to get us back on a more regular upload schedule but no promises but i hope you all have a wonderful thanksgiving season if i don't hear from you before then but i should and uh yeah i'll catch up with you guys on the next episode but i'll hear from you later bye